I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to The Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Sean Tatro, and today with my girlfriend and co-host, Leah Diana, we will be winding back the reel to the year 1984. Sent back from a dystopian 2029, where the cold machines have conquered the entire world, the indestructible cyborg assassin known as the Terminator commences his deadly mission to kill humankind's most important woman, the unsuspecting Sarah Connor. However, from the same war-torn post-apocalyptic future comes a battle-scarred defender, Kyle Reese, a brave soldier of the Human Resistance Army, bent on stopping the cybernetic killer from eliminating the world's last hope. But the Terminator has no feelings. He doesn't sleep. And above all, he won't stop until he carries out his grim task. Does our future lie in the past let's get into it in the 21st century a weapon will be invented like no other this weapon will be powerful versatile and indestructible it can't be reasoned with it can't be bargained with it will feel no pity no remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose, to return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. What day is it? The date? 12th, May, Thursday. What year? I'm here to help you. I'm Reese, DN38416, assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. Your future is in its hands. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell.
So I believe you have a story for our audience today. So I bought a new bottle. Non-sponsored. It's called the Hydrate Spark. It lights up and flashes when I need to drink water because I'm really bad at keeping up with staying hydrated. So I bought a new bottle. It's all Bluetooth and bullshit. And while we were watching this movie, I received a reminder to drink my water. And it says, your body is like the Terminator. Hasta la agua. Take a sip, baby. This, that's horrifying. It's terrifying because we were at like um, we were at the end climax of the fucking movie, and I had to be like, "Hold on, pause. This just actually happened." I believe Skynet is working its way into the water filtration industry, <laughs> and I am just like, I have never mentioned the word Terminator or the Terminator ever. I don't even think we said it more than once today when preparing for this. I don't think we did. That's fucking terrifying. Just a little. Anyways. So, if you couldn't guess, today we are watch uh we watched James Cameron's debut film, well, not really debut film, but the one most people know him for, The Terminator. Really? Because I'd think Titanic and Avatar now would be on the top of people's lists. Yes, I forgot this was James Cameron. This is the film that put him on the map. Okay. Even though technically he directed Piranha 2 before this. But what? nobody remembers that. I don't even remember that. This film was written by James Cameron and Gail Ann Hurd, uh, who... Uh, Gail Ann Hurd also produced the film. Um, it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Bean, Linda Hamilton, and Paul Winfield. The movie was made for on a budget of $6.4 million and grossed in $78.3 million at the box office. So it might have been a success. This was a monumental fucking success. Okay. In all, in by Hollywood standards, this was made on a shoestring budget. Six million is a shoestring budget. Shoestring budget, and this blew the fucking doors off in 1984. Yikes! So how did how did you feel after watching it? I was bored the whole time. About eighty percent of the time, I was bored. Really? Yeah. It. Okay. Now I can officially say I've never seen this movie. Because I've seen the one where he's... I've seen clips of the one where he says, Hasta la vista, baby. You saw Terminator 2. Yes. And I'm sitting there the whole time going, where's the liquid cop? So... That's the one I know. You had the experience that I think most people growing up had, where they saw Terminator 2 and never saw... Or they either never saw the first Terminator or they saw the, the sequel first. So the first one didn't really do it for And I've me. only seen bits and pieces of that one. Like when my dad would watch it on like a movie channel or something in the afternoon on a weekend. Right. I've never actually sit there because I never cared for this kind of movie. And I can tell you this. I was bored. I really was. I oh. tried my best to stay engrossed in it. That hurts my fucking soul. But the... It... <sighs> Sorry. Oh my god. It did have some good points. The whole thing is a good point. Uh, sure. Oh man. 
I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying not to be completely crushed. Devastated. <laughs> My soul is fractured. You're fine. There's many more movies I might like. Yeah. I didn't hate this movie. It just was boring. And maybe that's because it's a movie from the early 80s or mid 80s. And I've seen better action movies. This was... I literally could have fallen asleep. So that's the thing. This isn't really an action movie. Like a thriller? You could call it a thriller. First and foremost, this is a slasher film. I was going to say, if you say this is a romance, I'm going to throw this coffee at you. This is a... I mean, it's got romance elements, but... This is this is a slasher film, just done with guns and robots. Ah, what? Yes. T- take a look at it compared to anything like Friday the Thirteenth. Well, not the first Friday the Thirteenth, but like the later Friday the Thirteenth movies. You're essentially you have your main protagonist pursued by an unstoppable killer. Uh. The ending sequence is a perfect example of, like, the stalk and slash format. This thing's just coming at them with everything it has, and they're doing everything they can to try and survive. Uh, I'm still gonna say action. It's an action horror. I think because... But it's a slasher film. The Terminator movies are in that niche of action. Even if this was meant to be more of, like, a, like, slasher film, it's still is like it's an action movie to me like you can't put it in any other category for me i think it terminator gained an action persona because of the sequels but if this had been the only movie like if they had not done it anymore and this was the only terminator i guarantee you it would be regarded as a slasher film it would be an action slasher but it's a slasher i don't see this as horror there was no horror to me. There was no scary to me. It was like, oh, okay. Well, the this isn't your standard. It's not like a gore horror. It's a dread horror. This thing, this killer is coming after them. Pursuing them throughout the whole movie. It's like uh, if you were to... It's less related to like Nightmare uh, Friday the 13th and more to like Halloween or... Uh, even in some ways Nightmare on Elm Street, but like where you just have this force, this presence that's pursuing the characters each step of the way. Okay, but I'm going to sit over here in my disagreement bubble. You can disagree all you want, but I'm not the only one who sees it Exactly, this way. and that's fine. You want to get into it? So... <laughs> You're telling me this is 2029? Again, that's in seven years. Once again, uh, this is another example of like when this movie was made, they dated it in the distant future from 1994. But, of course, we're closing in on those future years, and mm-hmm. actually one of them they mentioned we surpassed. It was 2015, 2015 I believe. yeah. But... Uh, and we're nowhere near this type of technology, and that's okay. Honestly, like, you're going to run into that with thousands and thousands of movies. 
I love how movies from the 60s, 70s, 80s are like in the 2020s. Like, look, all that shit that you thought would be happening in the 2020s, we're, we just have a global pandemic and we have very, like, I hate people. That's all I'm saying. Like, this is not the future <laughs> that all of these people were thinking of. It's not. No. And I think the thing that's cool is that James Cameron actually had the foresight, uh, or at least the smarts to even have Kyle say that the place, the future he's from is only a possible future. He only mentions it once, but it's enough to allow this to still exist in Mm. our time frame. Which is kind of cool because it kind of makes you... Watching it now. I didn't watch it when I was younger or anything, but this is my first viewing of this movie. It takes kind of... And it's funny because there's a Marvel movie sitting on our our television (laughs) right now. Um, It takes that multiverse kind of seriously. That different dimensions, different multiverses, different points in time, different timelines. It 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 kind of makes it make more sense because I did kind of catch him say that. I was like, oh, okay, all right, all It'll, right, I can believe that. Yeah, it also allows for everything we've gotten from the Terminator franchise to coexist together. Like, just that one throwaway line means like, oh, well, technically, Terminator Salvation, Genesis, all this other stuff that we've gotten in the years since are just possible versions of the Mm. event it's not one linear time it could be different branches yeah when you get into time travel and time manipulation these are the types of arenas you're playing in that's why marvel's getting smart just saying marvel's doing it very well so i appreciate all the minis the beginning was a lot of minis some of them are better than others um but you could tell that they made that like the the landscape that looked like it was all miniatures. Oh, all right. You mean looking at me like that? Well, you, you said minis. It was yeah. kind of. I didn't say Mickey's. I said minis. <laughs> I oh. uh, first like right from the opening. I love seeing that old Orion logo. It gets I me know. Right in the mood. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> um, um, like you were saying, we immediately open into this violent, dark, dystopian future. Um, it's a landscape, it's like ravaged by war, the bones of God knows how many people are just being crushed beneath the wheels of machines. Um, and then we get this opening text that I would like to recount here. The machines rose from the ashes of the nuclear fire. Their war to exterminate mankind had raged for decades, but the final battle would not be fought in the future. It would be fought here, in our present. Tonight. That, I felt, encapsulated the entire tone of what we were about to get. Like, it sets us up very early on for... This is what we're fighting to stop this is what these characters are going to be trying to prevent and then we're thrust into the past Mm. 
And we meet Sarah Connor. We don't meet her right away. No. No, I would like to uh, I would like to point out that I did not think I was going to see Arnold Schwarzenegger's ass right away in the beginning of this movie. Yes. Arnie is buck naked and Bill Paxton. Baby Bill Paxton. Yes, we get cameos from both Bill Paxton and Brian Thompson as two of the punks that Arnold absolutely eviscerates to get his clothes. Who is Brian Thompson? <laughs> Brian Thompson was the, the guy that Arnold shoved his arm through. Oh, and ripped his heart out? Brian Thompson's huge in like uh, a lot of movies. He's actually in Cobra as well. He's in a bunch of other shit. I just I thought it was cute. I was like, Bill Paxton, there's no tornadoes. What are you doing? <laughs> um, Bill Paxton's a staple in Cameron stuff. He actually, this was his first one. Oh, shit, he's in Titanic. He's in the beginning of Titanic, isn't Titanic. he? I forget, because all you think of is Leo and Rose. He's in... Um, is he in Avatar? Aliens. Oh, my God, that's right. James Cameron is Alien. Yep. Not Alien. Aliens. Aliens. So you can answer this, Mr. Movie Dude. Yes. What is the difference between an actor's name being credited alone and an actor's name having featuring in their character name? So featuring generally is used if it's a first-time performance. Okay. Or it'll either say, like, featuring or introducing. Um, sometimes it'll say featuring if it's, like, a bigger name. Like, if you have a cast of no names and then you're like, oh, w- okay. well, we got we paid to have this bigger actor in the movie. Okay. So they'll put featuring Bill Paxton or whatever. Okay. Because I've always been, like, really curious as to what that meant. Um, Arnie was extremely young looking when he did this. His name is Arnie because I couldn't spell Ar- Arnold and I couldn't spell Schwarzenegger. So I just keep calling him Arnie. Yes. He was very young doing this movie. Arnold, this was Arnold's first movie. This was his, is that why he didn't have many lines? Uh, actually, no, I'm wrong. This is Arnold's second movie. Uh, his first movie was I believe it was called like Hercules in New York and he was okay. essentially they actually dubbed over all of his dialogue cuz the producers didn't think anybody would be able to understand him. He's not that hard to understand. No. But this was his first like mm. breakout performance. Um but before we go any further, we completely negated to talk about our beverages for I today. I have been drinking my beverage. Um, it's the same New England. No, no this is. Uh, we are drinking Barissimo coffees, caramel macchiato once again this week. Yes, and I put pumpkin spice, and it tastes a little better. It's growing on me a little bit. I mean, it's it's growing the lower it gets because we can get to a different coffee. <laughs> but anyway, it's hot, so it's <clears throat> cold right now. The theme music that we get right in the opening moments of the movie during the credits is. It's one of the most iconic film scores ever. I've never heard it before today. You've never heard the Terminator theme? No. And I've been to Universal Studios. Jesus Christ. And I'm like, I hear the... I'm like, it sounds like the cast of Stomp made this movie. Well, this is one of the most iconic themes in film history. Almost every film fan knows it. Mostly from Terminator 2. Um, but this is where it began. Um, 
The Terminator himself was created by Stan Winston, uh, who, I don't know if you know, Stan Winston's probably one of the biggest effects artists there's ever been. Um, he created all the effects in all the Terminator films, the Aliens, um, countless other things. And even though Stan Winston is no longer with us, his studio today continues to create some of the greatest movie monsters and stuff like that that there are. Dude's good at his, uh, his terrifying things. Oh, uh, let's see. The synth music in this must make you very excited because you like that synth oh, score. I love the score of this movie. Some of it was weirdly placed. Some of it. Like, you can tell. You're like, uh, this could have done without like a little more action-y, less synth. But it is the 80s. It's New the wave 80s. synth was huge. It's the 80s and you're dealing with a like cyber horror type of subject matter. Mm. Which, hilariously, like I love the fact that Sarah goes into a club named Tech Noir. Yeah, that which was is funny. Basically, what this movie is. <laughs> I uh, forgot how much because we are introduced to Sarah and everything. I forgot how much I wish my hair could look like feathered eighties fucking hair. Oh, I know. Oh my god, it's really like cool. just the the oh my god the volume and the bullshit that those girls can do with their hair. I'm like. Well, that was flat hair. That was a detail I liked about this movie. Is like uh, James Cameron doesn't make any effort to um, keep the movie ungrounded in a time period. Mm. Like a lot of movies will, a lot of people will try and make a movie and they'll attempt to make all the actors wear clothing that aren't set in the period. Like that neutral they're in. kind of. You'd see those pieces in everybody's wardrobe. This, this one, he fully embraces it. He embraces the music. He embraces the style. She's got feathered hair, tie-dyed shirt, acid wash jeans, acid wash jeans that are higher than mom jeans. I'm like, and she's got the high top, white high top sneakers. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you know, '80s. Like, there is no misplacing and where this great. movie was made. Because, like, the whole series has hinged on the fact that that movie took place in 1984. Mm. Like, it actually, it like, it being grounded in that time is perfect, I think. Like, I don't think it would have worked in any other time period. No. At least not as well. Yeah. Um, the visual effects throughout this movie, like, we don't get, there's not a lot of physical, visual effects. Most of it's practical. Yeah. But, like, you get the, the lightning when... They come through time and the laser blast when you see the future stuff. And that stuff all looks really good still, surprisingly. I thought it was going to look cheesy. I mean, I thought it was a little cheesy, but it wasn't cheesy enough to take me out of the film. It was cheesy enough to be like, okay, I could believe that there are plasma guns in 2029. I could believe that it takes an immense amount of power to travel somebody in time because they use lightning... In Back to the Future, too, which I think is after this. Yes, 85. 85, yeah. it's the next, next year. So it, it doesn't take you out of it. Like, everybody assumes, oh, travel, time travel, lightning. Oh, future plasma guns, pew, 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 it's going to be laser. Like, you assume those things. So nothing, none of the effects took me out of it. Robo Arnie was a little, like, you could see the outlines 
And the effect... It, it, sometimes the effect was a little, like... You talking about towards the end of the movie? Towards the end of the movie, yeah. That's the only time where I was like, it's not bad, but it mm. didn't age well. I can agree. The, uh... Towards the end of the movie, the Terminator, he definitely... That effect doesn't hold up as well. Mm. But me personally, I love seeing stop motion. I don't care how janky it looks. Oh, no. Stop motion is amazing. It it makes me so happy every time I get to the end of that movie and I see that stop motion animation combined with Stan Winston's puppet. Mm. It looks so good. I love every second of it. The only thing that takes me out with stop motion is the fact that it, you, you can see the... And I think that's just because we're so used to now digital effects and things are very streamlined. See, but I love seeing that. I don't hate seeing it. It's just kind of, it makes me go, oh, okay, this is a movie pre-digital CG becoming really good. That's all that means to yeah. me. I have no, if the whole movie's a stop motion, like Tim Burton movies, it doesn't take me out. I'm used to the fact that it's going to be stop motion good. Right. If you put stop motion in a movie, like, not as well, um, I want to say Ghostbusters might be. Ghostbusters has a few yeah, Ghostbusters uh, has a few kind of where you're like, oh, that doesn't look very good. Um, but Ghostbusters is a whole nother demon that we'll get to. Oh, <laughs> yeah, eventually. Um, let's see. What do my notes say? Oh, um, I don't know how you felt about actual, like, Arnold in this movie. Like, from the moment I f first see him on screen, I feel like he does such an incredible job as the Terminator. Like, he's... His, he presents this cold, empty, completely robotic nature. Like, every movement feels machine-like. Mm. And, like, I don't... His physique probably helps, because he's... He's a very boxy person, so he has to, like, like, yeah. When he stands up out of that fog in the very beginning, and he's just super rigid and looking around, oh, that is, like... I feel like he sells that so well. He does, but also... I believe he might be a little cold. He needs some pants. Well, I'm sure. Like, I... The, the moment that scene came up, I'm like... Arnold missed ass day. His ass is very... He's got a little butt. He's a little little bodybuilder butt. I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm... I don't like action movies. So, it, this one was... This one was tough to sit through. Like... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not an action movie person, but it was still pretty good. It was pretty good. It's like, okay, I've watched a classic. Cool. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> some of the things that I noticed, uh, when he crushes the toy truck in the beginning, it's very much foreshadowing for the end. Yes. Um, I thought... Arnold's character was a good guy. So I was fucking confused as hell in the beginning of this movie. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I've seen the the newest Terminator that came out. I've seen the previews. I've seen the trailer. I've, I've heard of, like, the other ones. Like, I thought Arnold was the good guy and the other guy was the bad guy. I'm uh, like, what is going on? He is in the following films, but this is how it began. I was shook. I'm sitting there like, wait a minute, isn't Arnold the good guy? What's happening? Well, that's what makes those sequels, that's what made Terminator 2 so impactful, which we'll get to eventually. Yeah, because it is in the wheelhouse, though. 
we're shortly after meeting Arnold, we mm-hmm. are introduced to Kyle Reese, mm-hmm. um, who is played by Michael Bean. And, well, his introduction, he's violently thrown through time rather than arriving very elegantly like the Terminator. I'm very surprised that that Michael Bean didn't become like a bigger action star after this. He's movie. He's really good in this. I love his performance in this, and I've honestly loved him in everything he's done. But and he's done a lot. I just, I it always baffles me. Like, how come his career didn't take off? I think he was overshadowed by Arnie. Honestly, I really yeah. think that Linda Hamilton's performance and Arnold Schwarzenegger's performance overshadowed him so much that people were like yeah you're good but what about these other two like linda had to be very young when she did this yeah but even still like his performance throughout this is so strong it is like, it's very good he delivers intensity through so many scenes like when he's trying to like save sarah's life or like the pl- when he's they're in the police station and everything he like it's incredible especially once you learn that he's been in love with her for all these years. We'll get to all that afterwards. Uh. We will get to that. Um, honestly, I've seen so much of clips from the other movies that I was honestly thinking Sarah was going to be more badass. I was like, why is she a total milk toast? Yet again, this is where it started. Yeah. I keep forgetting that this, watching this, I was like, and I looked up stuff going, what the fuck? I don't understand what's going on. And then I kind of sat there and went, okay, I've never touched this movie. Never seen it. Never understood it. So the other movies were different to me, I guess. But that's like the risk of watching these movies out of order or like watching the sequel before the original or the remake before it. You just, you never know, like, where you're going to land. And my opinion of this movie was like, it's not as good. Because the twists and turns in the other ones are so much better. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I didn't hate it. It doesn't help that James Cameron's, like, the master of sequels. Look, I'm shocked there wasn't a Titanic 2. Still to this day, there could have been. You, no. (laughs) Raise uh, the ship from the waters. I, I can't imagine what he's got planned for Avatar too. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I was in my early twenties when Avatar came out, and I am in my mid thirties now, James. Mid thirties. Hey, let him take his time. Good lord. He's developing gold. I hate Avatar. Moving I'm sorry. on. <laughs> hate it. Um. Something I thought was really cool was that this film uh, is mostly presented in, like, dark, harsh lighting. Yeah. Which, um, for me, at least, it it kind of bled that cold future into the present day. So, like, even though we're set, I don't, like, decades prior to mm-hmm. the horrors that are awaiting... Um, we sort of see that even though that we have a long time to wait, it's not that far away. Like, it's still there. Yeah. And he even says, like, 
when the nuclear war happens in a few years and you're like what's a few years like are we talking 80s 90s early 2000s like it could be a couple years could be a couple decades yeah and i was very interested in in that line but i did notice that a lot of the action happens at night once they uh, once they wake up under the bridge and they go for the motel it's lighter it's happier you can see the relationship developing in the light so it's kind of telling you there is light at the end of the tunnel but you have to get through the harshness in order to get to that point but it also makes sense uh narratively too because uh later on kyle explains that it's hard it's easier for them to move around at night because the terminator will have a harder time finding them yeah which is pretty cool like i think it was smart that he kept the major action scenes at night yeah because it followed that way of thinking by the way i love the very obvious Nike ad, ad shot right at the beginning when Kyle's getting his clothes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just have to point out that when I was really excited, the most excited I was at this film was the iguana. I was just like, little dude, look at him. And then you and I both looked at each other and went, meh. <laughs> I thought the 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 iguana was a cute kind of touch like a there's no other than dogs there really wasn't any life in the future but here yeah. you have like dogs and you have the iguana and you have friends and music and what well, i thought the uh, the iguana was a funny touch because like normally that would have been a role cast with like a cat yeah but they chose an iguana <laughs> which is perfect i loved it there's... it's a very california <laughs> type of thing yeah it really is um oh god payphones there's so much use of payphones in this film yes and it makes you realize how fucking useful these stupid fucking things are yeah uh one of the reasons i don't think this would work as well if it no. was like done now um it's pretty interesting to see to Rewatch this movie at least from my perspective and like knowing that Reese grew up with like during the war like with the machines and everything because like you see him come back into what was present day at that time and you know that this is all foreign to him like he's seeing all these people walking around and and, and just normal like it's got to be a culture shock like if you really try to put yourself in his place like you can automatically see him he goes up to the homeless guy and takes his pants and automatically just starts like fight or flight it's automatic fight or flight and he doesn't learn really to blend in until he's like okay now i have to find her now i have to find sarah and he tries his hardest, and I'm just like, this poor baby. He does a good job. He does. He does a good job, but you're just kind of sitting there going, oh, come here, you little cinnamon toast child. Come here. Come have a meal. Come get warm, you poor thing. <laughs> you feel you feel bad because not in the beginning. Well, in the beginning of the movie, I wasn't, like, really understanding. But more towards the end when he was describing the future to Sarah, and I'm just like, this kid is never known just, like, relaxing for a moment no i'm like this sucks um we get a uh scene short scene early on where arnold steals a car mm. um broad daylight walks up p 
punches through the window, takes it. Uh, interesting fact about that scene is that James Cameron stole that shot. He uh, so that whole scene they didn't have permits to shoot that. <laughs> he, uh, I think that happened towards the end of shooting. Mm-hmm. They just literally like parked the car on the side of the road in like a neighborhood somewhere and had Arnold walk up, punch through the window, and take the car. It was awesome. <laughs> ah, the, the, the gorilla movie making. Oh, gotta love it. Um, parking garages are really creepy. Generally. Oh my god. I was like, and it's not creepy that you're following this girl around. Like, the whole time he's like, oh, I'm coming to save her life. I'm yeah, watching but, you like, oh, really? You know, he's, he's gotta, though. I know. It's that, but... Like, you gotta... I was hoping that John would have warned him. Like, hey, my mom grew up in the 80s when things were happy and fun and you didn't stalk ladies. Be a little cautious. Like, you could have warned him a little. Well, I'm sure he did, but you... Or Sarah herself could have been like, hey, I'm a little skittish and kind of a kid. Be careful, you know? Well, you you gotta think. It's it's storytelling. They're not going to give you every detail. It is, but in my opinion, if you're going to do it, put a little realism in this. I enjoy realism in some stuff. Uh, well, there was hardly any realism in here. Speaking of Sarah, we we meet her in this movie at a very young age. Um, she's dealing with the troubles of every day yeah. back then. She's working a job she hates. Uh, oh, customer service she, uh, in uh, fast food, yeah, treating you like shit. Being treated like trash by the customers. Sounds um, familiar. So we, we see her in prime, uh, a prime state for everything to become uprooted. Yeah. Uh, we get a nice, nice little cameo scene from the legendary Dick Miller as the uh, gun shop owner. Dick Miller, for those who don't know infamous throughout film he uh he pops up he's the neighbor in gremlins and gremlins <gasps> 2 the one that gets run over by the thing <laughs> uh he's in uh he's in night of the creeps um he's in so many fucking movies and he's amazing every time love dick miller oh boy <laughs> fun fact i did not know that linda hamilton was married to james cameron for two years Yes, she was. I I saw that and went, what? <laughs> James Cameron has a um, pretty colorful past when it comes to the ladies r- uh, relationships, at least. Colorful? How? Well, just in terms of like, after this, he dated Linda Linda Hamilton. Um, he married. He was married to. Oh, what the hell is her name? She directed the Hurt Locker. I don't know what that is. Uh. Uh, another filmmaker for a long time, but I feel like that happens a lot in the film industry. Mm. Like directors will date actresses, or like you just end up in relationships with people you work with. That's that's just how it goes. Well, it's how it went. I don't know if it still goes that way as much. I don't think people are serial daters more in Hollywood because one because the paparazzi's up your fucking ass. Yeah. How many relationships do you think paparazzi have ruined in Hollywood? I can't even. Versus like the implosion of a relationship. 
like internally. Well, it like, puts a lot of pressure. That's so much, especially actors and actresses. Like I feel bad. Um, steering back in, we have our infamous first kill scene. Sarah Connor. Yes. <laughs> I was like, damn, Arnie. He blew her away. Oh, uh, that scene is so fucking awesome and iconic and memorable. Damn. Like, what? That actually uh, reminds me, like, uh, James Cameron utilizes slow motion really well in this Ooh. movie. Like, you have all these moments like that one or where um, Sarah's roommate gets killed where it just suddenly switches into slow motion and you, like, really feel that, like, dread of him coming in gu- with a You know gun. there's no way to escape, so why not slow yeah. it down and just prolong the torment? You're, like, these Ooh. people are being hunted and taken out. It's fucking brutal. Yeah. Cameron brutalizes the violence in this movie pretty well. Like, it's each moment is strong, impactful terrifying in a lot of ways a little bit yeah um which actually brings me to the the technoir scene that scene i feel at least when i watch that now feels so fucking relevant with the threat of active shooters that we have today and how many shooters have gone up in nightclubs yeah like it's very raw and it's very real it's very scary like you think of that like they did like he did this movie like oh this scene would be really impactful and really you know but damn like like he gunned down a fuckload of people and like that's terrifying but it shows you what the price of Sarah Connor is at that point like she is so important that it does even Reese didn't care who he shot and who he did it in. It was more or less like, you're in the way. Boom. Bye. It was yeah, like, well, Ooh. he had to protect her at all yes. costs. The future yeah. literally depends on it. <laughs> oh man. Like I liked the, I liked the fashion when we were in, um, the, uh, techno noir scene, very eighties, very leaned into what the fashion looked like in the mid eighties, the music, the feel, the very carefree spirit of people back then and I kind of I kind of liked that and she was just kind of the odd duck out just kind of like waiting sitting there wondering what's going to happen next to her I mean she's just realized that two other women named Sarah Connor were just killed violently slaughtered (laughs) it's like woo um I liked that little moment where Reese sees the the construction equipment and like he remembers like back to his time. Yeah. Um, I felt like that was a cool scene that like kind of puts you in his perspective, and like, like oh, this is what life was like when all of this was just normal stuff. Like it wasn't meant yeah. to kill the human race. It was just you know everyday. But things. also, it gives you a look into his like his PTSD that he must have growing up like that. Oh my God. And I don't know, like. It's cool that he's not completely disconnected from it being in our time. Yeah. I mean, somebody coming back to, like, the 80s in that time could be like, oh, well, if I just live my life through here, 
I'll be fine. It doesn't matter. And I'll have to go back. But it just shows how relative, how important and how much he loves Sarah Connor to put his entire life and existence on the line for it. Yeah. Well, because you also have to take into account that there's no way for him to go home. No. Like He's stuck he, there. He came back. And then the they destroyed the machine, he this. said. Yeah. yeah. Um, something I real like I noticed during the techno noir scene was that Cameron makes no attempt uh, throughout this the early moments of this film to uh, showcase that visually that the that Arnold is a cyborg. It isn't until right after we see him take tons of bullets that we get our first look at Terminator Vision. Yeah. And then right after that we get uh, Reese explains to Sarah what Arnold is. What he is. Yeah. I thought that was really cool because like I even noticed as he was taking the gunshots in the nightclub you hear a couple little metal hits in there. Oh okay. And it was like ooh that's a nice touch because like otherwise you wouldn't have really known. You would have been like why aren't you, you just got gunned down. Why aren't you on the floor? Like, what's happening? I mean, we knew going in, but, like, at that time... Going were... into the movie back in 1984, you didn't know shit. No, you were learning as Sarah was, essentially. Mm. Yeah. And then, in Tech Noir, there is... And I know this is one of the most infamous lines from this movie. Come with me if you want to live. Yes, which is most notably... Like, if you ask anybody on the street right now, um, you say, who says, Arnold come with said me it. if you want to live? I thought Arnold said it. And he when Reese not. said it, I'm like... Originally, what? it was Kyle Reese's line. But Arnold has reset that line... In other movies. In, in other, other movies. movies. Like, come with me if you want to live. And... Sorry, I had to itch my ankle. It hurt. It itchy. And, like, <laughs> you're sitting there like... <laughs> I'm sorry, What? You, you didn't say this infamous line, this other kid who, you know, is a peanut butter cup fucking said this line. What? It kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, it was a bad joke. I'm sorry. Well, fucking, uh, Arnold does get to say the infamous, I'll be back. All right. When we get there, I have (laughs) a bone to pick with this line. I do. I have a bone to pick this. I was a little upset with Reese, like, screaming at her. She is, she's fucking losing her mind she's getting shot at she doesn't know what's wrong with her she doesn't know what's happening she's trying to like he's screaming at yes it emphasizes the seriousness but also i'm putting myself in the shoes because i've been there of a 19 year old girl who is just like stranger danger get away i want my mom i want the police yes you do have to look at it from reese's perspective though he's doing everything he can to keep her alive he knows the seriousness of the situation and she doesn't Mm. he's uh he comes from a time where if you fuck up once you're dead yeah so he's trying his best to emphasize to her that she has to fucking listen to him yeah you have to live or else all of this is gone yeah and I understand where you're coming from but I definitely like you have to look at it from his point of view I like realism realism is where I'm at with movies and anything and I think that's very realistic screaming at a 19 year old girl 
Yeah, well... She's lucky, he's lucky he didn't get his that, face punched in with or kicked. Just like, whoa! In that exact sit- set of situations, like, circumstances, mm-hmm. yes, he. I think that's realistic. Modern days, I'd have a taser in his balls. There you go. And then Thanks you'd for be yelling dead. at me. <laughs> Look, I didn't say I was a smart woman. I just said I was the woman, okay? Uh, I got a taser. That's all I need. We get a nice performance from Lance Hendrickson in this movie. Um, he plays the, not it, the, not he, the second command cop, right? Yes. Yeah. He, uh, who would la- he later goes on to play Bishop in Aliens. Oh, that's why I recognize him. And, like, who's uh, this motherfucker? And Michael Bean also is in Aliens. Bill Paxton is in Aliens. <laughs> he carries a lot of people over. I don't watch Aliens again. All I know is, all I know is Ridley becomes a fucking babysitter. Ripley. Ripley. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Fucking Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) Uh, the scene that made me kind of go was the Arnie mask and him ripping his eye out and like cutting his own arm to fix his thing. And just like, just, I was so like his eye, you can tell he's a cyborg because when he's in the car, his eyebrows are completely burned off Yeah, and it's just the face and the flesh and his eyes damaged. So he has to pop his eye out and his, his cyborg eyeball is showing and it's like, oh, I really liked uh, those scenes. Like, I think the effects de- for those don't hold up as well. But they, they are really good for the time. Yeah. Um, and Stan Winston's puppetry with that Arnie head was really good. Honestly, the only reason why I knew it wasn't a real face is because the 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 film is in too high definition and there's no pores yeah. it's a latex mask you can tell yeah. other than that it's still moved pretty it's well very good and i'm like the only reason why i can tell is because you guys did not anticipate blu-ray and 4k nobody could nobody like if that's like on a regular vhs you couldn't tell no but i'm looking at it going the skin's not oily and there's no pores. That's the only reason why I could tell it was a mask. Other than that, really good replica replica of Arnold Schwarzenegger's face. Yeah. Um. So after the technoir scene, um, that we've got Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor together. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a scene. They 
run through the parking garage. They're hiding from police, and they uh, hide out in a car for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And this is the bi- one of the big moments of the movie. This is where Kyle lays everything out to her. Yeah. He uh, he tells her about the future. He tells her about John um, and why he was sent back. And I personally love the way that Cameron shoots this scene because it's beautifully intense is the mm. best way I can put it because he he has them both hunkered down in this car and you imagine this whole moment from Sarah's point of view yeah like he focuses you mostly on Kyle's face as like he tries to emote to her how important she is and um like imagine being in her shoes and being told that you're the s- you're the savior of the world, essentially. You're the mother of the future. Like, like what? Your son is humanity's only hope. Like, how heavy is that? That is insane. I mean, at one point, I had put... What did I write? I After he hands her the gun in the motel, I'm like, imagine if she just shot herself in the head right now. Like, that's what I thought, like... This is such a heavy thing to put on this 19-year-old girl that she... I just saw that gun and I was like, Sarah going, you know, there's a way out. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I wonder if that character, not Linda Hamilton, obviously, but that character would have ever looked at that gun ha- being handed to her like, do I want to do this or do I not? And you can see her change throughout the movie to the point where when Reese really gets injured in the warehouse she goes on your feet soldier now and you're like See, there it is that there it is I love that because you have that scene where she he's explaining to her that uh this was his chance to meet the legend that taught John everything he knew yeah. and you're like at that moment when you're he's like, telling you that how does she become that person but then, like, you see her dress his field wound, and she's just naturally good at that. Mm. And then you get the on-your-feet soldier line later, and it's like, it's in there. Yep. It's in there, even though she doesn't know it. Plot twist, Sarah taught Reese everything, who in turn taught John. Like, it's a weird fucking circle. Well, Reese taught Sarah. Reese taught Sarah, and there's like, oh, I wanted to meet the le- legend who taught who we learned everything from. So in all technicality, Reese taught himself. Yep, Reese taught himself. <laughs> bum, it, bum, bum, bum. The Terminator timeline is Fucked an absolute up. fucking mindfuckery, and I think Cameron did that on purpose so that you could never fully explain it. it. It's It makes sense. It really does with a film that... With a film with a legacy that it has... If this had one linear timeline, everybody would be like, excuse me, uh, excuse me, nope, this can't happen. But with a multiverse timeline, none of those people can fight you. None of them. Because it's like, all right, pr- all right, well, explain this, then explain this. There's a multiverse. Like, you shut up and stop. Like, it's the same thing with Marvel. At one part, Marvel was very linear, very much linear. And very recently, it's no longer linear. And it's beautiful. And I like when directors do this type of stuff because yeah. it's a possibility for um, a fanfic story or somebody else's vision to become this grander thing. I think it's ingenious when storytellers do this. Like, okay, here's my idea. Let's implement that. 
there's some plot holes, tell you there's a multiverse, tell you there's t different timelines, go. Do your own thing, write your own story. Endless possibilities. You know, this actually kind of touches on something that I was thinking about. Uh, there's a moment in this movie, it's right after uh, they get away from the Terminator, she dresses his wound, uh, they're underneath that like bridge. Yeah, the overpass or some crap, under. yeah. Um, but we have him uh, towards the end of that scene we stay with Reese as like he's telling Sarah a story about the future um I believe we're kind of with him when it transitions so we assume that this is his memory or his dream mm. that we're seeing and we get uh he takes us through this image of the future where it's brutal you see kids hunting rats for food and they're hunkered in front of a tv a burning with a television fire in it like just trying to stay warm stay warm and it's it's innocence is completely awful. gone they're living underground like rats uh they're i don't know honestly it's could possibly be inspiration for something like the matrix that would come later. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I could, I could see that. I definitely could. Um, your point about like multiverses and like time, the timelines and everything is like, we come back from this scene with Sarah waking up. Yes. And she immediately says, "I was dreaming about dogs." Mm. And in that sequence, you see dogs pointing out a Terminator. Yes. So it. I don't know. It, it's weird. It, were we seeing Sarah's dream based on the story he was telling her, or was she dreaming while he was telling her about, about his home, the future? Like I don't know. I don't know. Like, is it a prophetic thing? I think that's what James was leaving it to. Is leaving it to up to your imagination. You figure out where you want that to be. I hope that it was Sarah listening to the story, putting her own pieces together. That feels better to yeah. me i hope it wasn't a prophetic thing honestly i don't like doing anything prophetic or prophet like it seems like a cop-out sometimes it, in these yeah, kind of movies it generally is if there is a reason for some sort of like magical element fine maybe there's no magical element this is like technology versus humans very cut and dry if this was supposed to feel like a prophecy I'm not buying it. No. Nope. I'm thinking this is Sarah just dreaming about what she's talking about and seeing how important she must be for this future to not like this future can't happen. We've got to do something. Well, there is also, uh, it just comes nat the prophetic elements come naturally when you, uh, set up a story like this where essentially, nothing like none of it can happen without this one this one element like yeah. so like kyle coming back uh is the only reason john connor exists in the first place so like oh boy. there's definitely a predestined element there yeah which is in itself prophetic yes um so after they get away they comes the infamous scene where they shack up in a motel 
<gasps> and yes, uh, Reese confesses his love to Sarah, uh, even though he knows he probably shouldn't have. And definitely, this definitely reads to me every time as like she's in the most vulnerable state she could be, mm. and throws herself at him, which it happens. It's a thing. Like so. I understand. This took me out of it a little. And my note is, I'm sorry. You fell in love with her because of a photo and John talking about her all your life. And now she is a 19-year-old vulnerable vulnerable girl running away from something she has no clue. And now you're going to make the sex? I understand where you're coming from with that. Um... Yes, it does sound creepy and sleazy. And really sleazy! But I actually thought that was very interesting. Because when you really think about Sarah's love, uh, Sarah's love, Reese's love for Sarah, he never never truly knew her uh, all his life. He, um, he grew up, as you said, he was given a photo of her when he was young. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was told all about her from John. Uh, but it's like he his love for her stemmed from the idea of who she was. So like it's like being um, in love with a celebrity that you crushed. That's on That's what a kid. I said. He's fucking his celebrity crush right now. Yeah, and like, but you also have to take that into account during his situation. So, yes, he, as a kid, or when you're younger, you have crushes on, like, celebrities and stuff that you see in movies. Younger? Have you seen my stack of bullshit well, over here? So. <laughs> I have a boyfriend, and I still have husbands in other countries. He grew up in a war-torn landscape. And he did mention that he's never been with a woman. Right. He doesn't know love. He's never been with a woman. He has this idea of who the perfect woman is because of John uh, and that idea of her that love he developed for her he, is all he held on to throughout the turmoil it's sleazy and creepy but it's also amazingly romantic and sad it's like guys oh okay alright well okay that's how I felt but it was like oh you can understand right. why he why he took that while he volunteered, while he took the opportunity to go back and prevent yeah. her from dying. And it wasn't like he was like, hey, I'm in love with you, here's my dick. No. There was an element of her being very vulnerable and hearing the story and being like, I'll show you what a woman's touch is. Which is very sweet. It's sweet. And he also <sighs> does try to resist her. He does. He does try he to tries. resist. And I do have a note that said... Oh, nice hand placement. Maybe we won't see. And there's her tits. I really did not think we were going to see Lam- Linda Hamilton's boobs. It's very I really brief, was though. hoping that it, there was a nice placement. And then I'm remembering like, oh, paint me like one of your French girls. Just all of Kate Winslet. Just stand in there. James Cameron is good at tasteful nudity. He's tasteful. Very tasteful. Even this was 
pretty it was tasteful. tasteful. It was very, this was very passionate. It was one of those moments where it's like, I'm watching sex I shouldn't watch. This is between <laughs> the two people there. I'm going to be over here. Because you know job. at the end, it makes a baby out of love. Yes. This isn't a angry, passionate, I'm going to fuck you because I hate you. This is, um, we're fighting for our lives. We don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like Sarah knew where John was going to come from, but Reese didn't. Like, Reese was like, oh, never, never through a million years did I think John's my kid. See, I actually believed the same thing for a long time. Like, mm. I figured Reese never had that notion in his head. Mm. However, really listening to it this time, I wonder if he did. Or if he put two and two together once he was in the future? Well, no, not so much in the future. Like, uh,. It's felt like when he... So, right before they have sex. Make um, the sex. He's explaining... That's when he ta- tells her about the picture. And it, like, he gave me a picture of you once. I never knew what it meant. Uh, I never knew what it meant. Oh, because she does say to John on the thing that that's your father. And he's like, oh, he she never mentions his dad. Ever. Which, I, I definitely don't think John ever told him. No. But... I think he figured it out. Or he put it, put so much pressure on, Kyle, you have to be the one that goes back. You're the only one who can save my mother. Yeah. Because you're going to save her with your dick. But I I think that was, I think he knew. It was like one of those things where he's going, no, no. Do I get to fuck your mom? Like that, that realization, like. Why? Can you imagine if he had gotten to go back? He just comes through the time portal. He's stark naked. Comes back. He's breathing heavy. He's like, John, I fucked your mom. mom. (laughs) Dude, not cool, man. You wouldn't be here without me. Come give daddy a hug. God, that would have been hilarious. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So after that wonderful bullshit I was really really upset that the Terminator killed her mom yes I was so pissed at that I'm thinking to myself no he wouldn't stoop that low or maybe she's just genuinely talking to her mom on the phone and I'm like he can mimic Yep. he's a robot no why would you kill her mom that's so heartbreaking. And that's why she's on the run. Because she has nobody. Exactly. She loses everyone. And John becomes her whole fucking life. Which is why she dedicates everything to making him the man he's supposed to be. Oh my god. Like, this whole, like... There's a circle of fucking life here. And it's just yeah. fucked up, man. It's brutal. Oh, This is a brutal story. Like, I, I love this movie. Like, I always have. I like most of the Terminator stuff barring some rough moments it's had. Are all of the rough moments in our wheelhouse? No. Because I know Almost that none of them. Genesis, people were pissed. The only about. two we get to cover are this and, and Judgment, Judgment Day. Day. We never, You never saw the newer one that came out a couple of years ago. I did not and I do need to. I need to watch it. Did you ever watch Genesis? Yeah, I have Genesis. The one with Matt Smith? Yeah. That one's not terrible, but I can see why people hate it. I mean, a lot of people are 
for movies like this that are classics, people are very purist about it. Like if you, huh, Star Wars, if you fuck with the story that they perceive in their head, you're an asshole. Yeah. Cut, clean, dry, done. You get fucking Ryan Johnson trying to come back from that one. He's succeeding. Honestly, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to get hate. I didn't see that much of a problem with the Star Wars movies because it could be a multiverse thing. There are so many stories that well, Disney took out of canon after Jedi. And I was really pissed about that because I loved the Solo twins, the Skywalker kids, Mara Jade. I love well, all that. Disney's already come out saying that the, what was it, episodes 7, 8, and 9? Seven, yeah, they're not canon are anymore. Are not canon anymore because Which, people got no, upset. Honestly, don't backpedal. Do not backpedal. No, own what you Stand did and fucking your move on. Ground. Yes. People are still going to go see them. Yeah. I'm still going to watch them. Why? Oh, my God. Adam Driver. We're not... (gasps) We're not going (gasps) to dwell on Star Wars here, though. Look, once we get to Star Wars, guys, it's going to get a little violent. Because Uh, I am a episode three, four, five... No, four, five, six. Like... Yeah. I hate the prequels. I'm not the biggest fan of the other ones. But I have opinions... And I'm sticking to them. <laughs> uh, so then we get to the big climax of the whole movie. Oh, yes. I hated the music. Really? The music seemed very, like, it was the synth music, but it had a little bit, like, of an orchestrated background. I hated it. Pick one. Well, if you notice, throughout the uh, entirety of the movie, there's a, a clear divide in the score. Mm. So, like, when you're with the Terminator, you have that very heavy percussion based bombastic yeah. kind of tone and then when you're with all the other scenes are synth driven. Yes. So like I think that ending kind of brings them together. I didn't like it. No? It took me a little bit out of it. I'm like this music seems very one, I thought it was a little too loud. And two, it kind of took me out of it a little. I'm like honestly if he if their music was like the 80s synthy kind of thing and his was that percussion that bass I would have intensified his and lower theirs because it's getting to the point where he's catching up to them. He's going to get them. Yeah. It, it just, the synth was like too much. I was like, uh, tone, tone it down. Don't take it out completely, but tone it down. Like, I love synth as much as you do. Like, we're both big fans of synth music, but man, sometimes it just, it can be too much. Let's yeah, uh, I can definitely see where you're coming from. Like, the, the score does get pretty heavy towards the end and i can see why that would be distracting it's just it took me out of it just a little bit especially when they're running from a truck they're running from a truck that was interesting (laughs) um but this is why this is why it was creepy because it just flashes at you gotta obey the water bottle um that ending though however it does showcase to you um that this thing is fucking unstoppable. This motherfucker He's is going to keep coming terrifying. even if you blow the bastard to pieces. He <laughs> was driven over by a semi, blown up. And she and I'm sitting there going, fucking Sarah, stay behind that motherfucking wall. He is not dead. He's coming up like the fucking Crypt Keeper. Like, <laughs> coming to get you. twice. Exactly. Twice. 
in the same scene. <laughs> okay, both Reese and the Terminator, when they're point blank, they're great. They're great at shots. Why do they keep missing each other when they're point blank? Every time, it's like I realize it's a plot device, but it's like shoot device. one of the other one in the leg. It's it's the writing. Uh, <laughs> they have plot armor. I fucking hate that. Annihilate the bitch. <laughs> Fuck the plot armor, kids. Oh, let's see. Um, my, I'm saving that for my favorite line then. Arnie's one-liners in this movie are fucking amazing. Fuck you, asshole. Fuck you, <laughs> asshole. Um, that explosion of that truck. Huge. Wow. And the actress is right there. Yeah. I, good job. I want to know if she shit her pants or not. I need to know because I would have heard that and been like, that's a lot of heat. And I've shit. Like, I would have, it would have, ooh. I was actually trying to tell if that was a composite. I don't think so. There were a couple shots in there that, like, it all happens very quick. The cutting gets really intense. So, like, there was a couple shots I was like, I, it almost looks like she's composited in front of it. Almost, but the shadows and the intensity of the oranges on her body make me feel like she went, sure, let's try this. I mean, they could have matched it, but I don't know. Linda Hamilton is a fucking badass. That's true. She has a reputation, and what if this was where her first movie where she went, let's see what happened. Just don't get the hair. There's a lot of Aquanet in this, you know? (laughs) The climax of this movie is pretty, pretty iconic in its own right. I mean, essentially, it was the inspiration for the... Uh, for a big scene in Child's Play 2. Which I've never seen any of the Child's well, Play movies. We so. will get there. Um, I have never seen the climax of this inside the the uh, the plant. So you probably noticed me doing the I kept fidgeting because I'm like, oh my god, she's going to get crushed. Like, I got nervous. It, the climax got it's me. pretty tense. It is tense because I've never seen it. And I was like, please don't, please don't hurt her. If you hurt her, I will kill, I will jump through the screen and kill all of you. Don't hurt her. We get the unfortunate death of Kyle. I, that was necessary though. It was necessary. I'm so mad, but it was like, no, this makes sense. Son of a bitch. But it was perfect. And, you know, James Cameron has a... He has an affinity uh, for falling in love in a brief period of time in his movies. James Cameron, Jack, could have fit on that motherfucking door, you asshole, and he could have survived. I'm not letting it go. No, we're talking about James. I'm going to call him out for his bullshit every (laughs) time. Titanic is going to be long. It's going to be so long. But anyways, he does like love, love fast and die hard. Yeah. Love fast, die hard. Like, they were intensely, like, they would have built a life together. Well, Sarah says it pretty well in the end that, like, they only knew each other for a few brief hours, but But they loved loved for for a lifetime. Oh, my God. Must have been some real good sex. (laughs) Damn. But that was, it was really cool. Like, he does that often if you take into account this Titanic fucking... Even Avatar. Like, yep. Love happens quickly. And I get it. Um, it's a it makes the story stronger. Yeah. And it's he uses it very fucking well in this movie. Anytime he uses these kind of love fast diehards, I'm like, this is not realistic. And and I've never, ever known anybody to fall that hard that fast. No. 
But it is the fight or flight thing. Like, <laughs> what are your main instincts when you're just a basic life form? Fight, flight, fuck, procreate, keep going. Like, yeah. it, it, there, it, it, it covers all the bases of what a war-torn kind of world would look like to him versus her now being thrusted into this. Yes. It makes sense. It's stupid. It makes sense. <laughs> um, this climax also gives us quite possibly one of the best final lines. You're terminated, fucker. I started uh, laughing. I was like, I love it. That was so good. Uh, it's a good it's a good send-off. And I also thought the the cap, the final scene of the movie where we see Sarah, she's pregnant, um yep. and the little boy takes the photo of her that would then be given to Reese later in life. Yep. Um and the last shot we see is her driving headlong into the coming storm like it's so telling of what's to come that's a matte painting by the way oh of course it's a matte painting <laughs> that was that was definitely i was like eh, you guys could have gone location with this but i get the storm thing so it's fine it's really good it is good um yeah i guess that about brings us to overall thoughts about the film it was boring <laughs> It takes a while to get me. It, I don't get into it until the end. And that's when I get into it. The story is unrealistic. It's too actiony for me. I've never liked action movies. I never have. There are some action movies I do like. This is not one of them. But it is a good film. It is a good classic. I understand why. I understand why the one-liners and the lines that have been said for years have been said for fucking years. I will say, it's good. Not my cup of tea or coffee, as, you know, we drink. <laughs> but, still good. Um, for me, this is a fucking classic. I love this film. Um, I'm never not going to love this film, even with the... some. Uh, minor flaws that it has this movie kicks so much ass um it's an action classic it's a slasher classic it um it's the birth of Arnold as a fucking icon um I'll be back it <coughs> I I love this movie I'm never gonna not it, it it's hard to see it as anything but a great film for me. I have to ask, how old were you when you first saw this movie? This one? Mm. Oh. Because if you tell me a certain age, I'm going to be like... No, this one... Excuse me, Sean's mom. There were titties and sex in this. Why did he go watch this? This one, I, uh, I'm i pretty sure I saw this after T2 growing up. So you saw ter the, first, the second Terminator before the first one. Yeah, and I still love this one more. Well, I can see why. From your perspective, I've I've known you for a little bit, and I kind of understand how you think. I understand why you like this. It ticks all the boxes for you, and it's a slasher. This is in all of your like, yup, yup, yup. It's perfect. <laughs> I see why this is a classic for you. I see why it's not for me. It's just not what I like. 
it's not my kind of movie, so. Well, I can understand. But it still breaks your heart, though. It does. Because it, <laughs> it's rare that I meet somebody who doesn't like the Terminator. So, I don't know. I, I get it. Favorites. Favorite line. I have a couple of them. That son of a bitch took my pants. <laughs> and I'm going to make a belt out of you. For the, for the, for the iguana when, she, when the iguana scares her. Um, those are my two favorite lines. I, I, I think my favorite scene would probably be when all of the cop, when the two cops are reassuring her, there's 30 cops in here. Don't worry. Nothing will happen. Cut to brutally massacring 30 cops. <laughs> like, it's like how ironic you can't protect her because you don't believe that this is a big deal. You think yeah. Reese is a nutcase. In terms of actual dialogue uh i think i think my favorite line is it's kind of a cop-out one but um discounting of course the infamous stuff like mm. come with me if you want to live <laughs> get out <laughs> all that stuff um my favorite line in the whole movie is the future is not set it's uh when Reese Re is recounting the letter he made him uh, John memor John made him memorize to tell to Sarah that okay. that dialogue is very strong I, and that line that one the, the future, future is not set has always stuck with me and it's become a major plot point in the entire series but it's so strong it just it, that just speaks that no matter what happens we still have a chance to change things. Yeah, you can always change things, yeah. And I think that's really cool. And I'm surprised they've never done anything where it was like they used that as a driving force to, like, save Reese. Um, I understand things are set in motion, so they kind of have to happen. I'm going to doctor who you for a second. It's a fixed point in time. It's a fixed Deaths point in time. are always fixed points yes. in time. Um, my favorite scene in the movie has to be when that car scene when Reese lays out everything about the future and John to Sarah that mm. that scene is so powerful to me like the way it's shot the way it's edited the performances that they give and it's all in this fucking it's, they're in the front seat of a car mm. crouched like it's such a strange place to Hide, do not, not, not like hiding that. from the Terminator. They're hiding from cops trying to find them. Yeah. Because they don't understand the situation, obviously. It's That's a great scene. It's my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, despite all the action. <laughs> does it work? Yeah. Yes. It does work. I can't really explain why it works. But I think, because it's my first viewing, but it does work because from knowing the future stories and knowing how much of a legacy Sarah Connor has and the Terminator has and everything, it just works. This is a great film. I found it boring. Others might not. Others don't. <laughs> wow. Um, I... Of course, thinks that this works. Um, 
yes, there are parts that don't land as well now. These effects don't hit to people who are fucking obsessed with CGI or grew up with it. Mm. But I think it's all still effective. Um, I think it all still impacts the way it should. James Cameron knows what the fuck he's doing. He's always known what he, the fuck he does. He's he, doing. He knows how to make a lasting, impressionable experience. Yeah. And that's what this movie is. Yeah. Um, yes, it's an action film. Yes, it's a horror film. Just not your typical of either. It's unconventional of both. Yes. And that's why I think people love it because it's very different. Yes. It's a very different film. This is honestly one of the earliest tech horrors, like that cyber horror type of situation. Mm. Like you didn't really have that before this. Yeah. Would you recommend it? To certain people, yes. <laughs> A lot of my friends would be like, I'm not watching Terminator. That's, no, that's fine. But there are other people that I'd be like, oh, I know you like these types of movies. Try this. I personally will not watch this again. <laughs> I've done I've seen it once. I'm good. I've seen a classic. And I already I told you we're going to tick off all the classics so I've seen them. Yes. But I don't have to watch them again if I don't want to. No. So. I think this works. Uh I would recommend it to basically anyone. Mm. Um I know that there are certain people that I would recommend it to who probably wouldn't like it. Honestly, I was hoping you would like it, but I had a feeling you might you not. You can't win them all there, Shawnee. So, um, yes. If you haven't seen The Terminator, if you grew up yeah. only seeing T2, you should go back watch yeah. the first one. Because it is a good experience to have. Surprisingly good. I'm not an action person. Uh, that's why I thought it was boring. I don't know. I, I might warm up to it after like talking with you about stuff I might warm up to some movies there are movies up there they're firm fucking no and you can't change my mind <laughs> this one I could warm up to it but I don't need to see it again how would you make this today I'd really want this to be a series I'd want to see more of the past or I mean more of the future I'd want to see more of I like the fact that they're movies and they're all different, but I would like to see one big cohesive story. So I would like a series on this. It's funny that you say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, there is there is a Terminator series. Is there? Um, it's Terminator: The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Oh, I think I've heard of this. Okay. It's somewhat, it has its enjoyable moments, but have you watched all of it? Yes. It got canceled after like the first, uh, the second or third season, but is it for good reason? It was ultimately terrible. Um, you can't win them all. <laughs> the uh, I personally, they're gonna make sequels until they drive this thing into the fucking grave. Or Arnie but, or Linda die. Or Arnie or Linda. No, honestly, I think they'll continue after that. You think so? But I don't think this should be made today. I think it worked when it did. If you're going to do anything more with the Terminator franchise, just use the first film as a jumping off point. Treat the timeline like you would 
any other timeline. It's fixed. Like the Halloween timeline? We're not going to get into that. That's, that's a, another that's a day. That's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't think this should be, like, nobody should try to remake the Terminator. It, it's not, you can't. You can't outdo Cameron. You, nobody's ever going to. Don't even fucking try. Michael Bay might gun for it. Michael Bay is going to fail. <laughs> wow! We have the same opinion about Michael Bay. <sighs> is this exploitation or other? After your explanation, yes. Explain. So you said this is a slasher film. This is an action film. This ticks a lot of boxes for the grindhouse checklist. I believe it is definitely for a certain type of people. Um, back then, it just happened to catch a hell of a lot more people than anticipated. Um... I see it more as an action film, so I think it ticks, like, the action, um, suspense, romance, but I think because of the slasher aspect, it is exploitation. To some degree, I will agree with you. Um, I do think this can be quantified as an exploitation film. It's not, it's more of a, like, a mainstream film because of its popularity. Mm. It, and uh, its success. And its success. But if you were to take the success away and just strip this down to just what the film is, yes, I think I do think this is something you would have seen in exploitation uh exploitation in grindhouse cinemas during the early eighties. If this didn't do well, that's exactly where it would be. Yeah. Honestly it may have played in them anyway. Yeah. Um yeah, it's a slasher film. It milks, it milks its plot for what it can. Like you get nudity, you get violence, you get action. Um, you do have a little bit of humor. There is a little little, little humor. humor. Yeah. There's murder. There's mayhem. There's fucking. There's absolute um, chaos at points. Chaos at points. Lots of death. Um, the fucking antagonist is a murderous machine from the future like that's a very exploitation idea yeah so yeah i i would say that this qualifies as exploitation mm. do you have anything else you'd like to say about the movie i didn't hate it as much as i thought it would i'm glad to hear that <laughs> I really, I, going through this, like, you guys heard my reaction to the trailer when we watched it last week. I was like, I don't want to watch this. I don't. I don't want to sit through this boring-ass movie. It wasn't that bore. I got bored because it was just, it's not my cup of tea. But I can see why people love this movie. It's very different. Like, hearing someone else's opinions about a movie that I don't like definitely makes you go, Alright, okay, you have a point. Yeah, okay, you have a point. Point in case why we're doing this. Yes. Somebody like me who could absolutely hate a film. Oh, I hate that film. Oh, I'll never see it. Just based on the cover. What people have talked about. But actually physically watching it. It's changed my mind a little. I won't ever watch it again. But I can say, I watched it. I enjoyed it. You know, hopefully it's not just us changing each other's minds. Mm. Or getting each other to think 
a different way. Hopefully, some of you give movies a second chance because of this. Yep. Hopefully, we can have guests at some point and see what they think. And I would love to have a guest who can't stand a certain genre of films on. Yeah. Make them watch a film like My Younger Brother. Well, hates horror films. He hates horror films. He's not a horror fan. Horror physically bothers him. I would love to be like, all right, well, here, read this synopsis. Watch this with us. We really want your opinion on this. And we'll pick a movie that's not too bad. Too bad. I mean, <laughs> he actually um, expressed to us a couple days ago that he would do this. But we're like, we're going to make you watch horror. And he's like, oh. <laughs> but I would love that. You know, I would love to have him on to watch a horror film and be like, what do you think of horror during this era when it wasn't so scary, when it wasn't so cre- crazy, you know? Yeah. So. Well, that about brings this discussion to an end, but don't go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned for the coming attractions. In the dark of the night, something strange is going on. You see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Sure. They ship those bodies. Well, say hello. The dead have risen from the grave. How many did you say? A hundred. And now the question is, how do we get them back into the ground? Bert, Frank, we have a little problem. Ah, Boiler, ten right. Because technically, you're not alive. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. How do you kill something that's already dead? Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. In that movie, they destroyed the brain to kill him. Is that what they did? The brains, right. Brains. Terry is nervous. Usual crap. The police are confused. Send more cops. It worked in the movie. Well, it ain't working now, Frank. In the movie line. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. The Return of the Living Dead. I am very excited for you to see this movie. I honestly have no thoughts about this movie. 
Have you ever seen anything on this one? Never. And that, I think, is even better. I've never seen anything on this one. I've never heard anything on this one. I just know that there is a Night of the Living Dead. There's this one, and there's this third one. Uh, we will get into the relation between them when we actually watch the movie. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really cool that you got to go into this movie. I am blind. Completely blind. blind. Most people don't get that opportunity. I think I think you might enjoy it. I went in Sleepwalkers blind. Oh, boy. <laughs> but that was an interesting experience. Yeah, it was a ride. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. Uh, Return of the Living Dead. Absolute classic for most horror fans. Um, it's a beloved film for many people. Um, I'm hoping you enjoy it as much as I do. I hope so. Uh, but that brings us to an end for today. Um for more recommendations on films or coffees you should check out uh if you want to check out our movie collection um see some fun behind the scenes chat with us a little bit recommend us some movies come find us on facebook and instagram at grindhouse podcast we're on twitter at grindhouse cast we have a discord that leah runs so you'll be able to talk to her there hello all the links for everything are going to be down in the description below um, listen to us, give us five stars on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. New episodes are first thing every Monday morning, so check us out. Give us a listen. Let us know what you think. Comment. We want to hear from you. Yes. Um, if you're listening to the podcast and you want a more visual experience, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can get every single episode in its entirety with video. But uh, also, if you like what you are hearing or seeing um, and you want to support what we're doing, all that information is down in the description below. Until next week, I'm Sean. And I'm Leah. Thank you for listening and keep watching. My goal is to make him laugh every time I say my fucking name. Do you think I can do it?
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.